Moments with Andy, the podcast. Brought to you by 100.3 and 102.7 The Point and The Night Show. My name is Andy. Thanks for spending a moment here with me. It is Wednesday, June 10th. You may have heard in the news here that we are perhaps planning to send or preparing to send four to 500 more U.S. soldiers to Iraq to train local forces um, fighting the Islamic State, you know, that whole thing. And that's on top of the, apparently we have 3,080 American service members already over there in Iraq, and these new troops would be assigned to a new training base in Anbar, Proz- sorry, Anbar Province, according to BBC News. So this is what always kind of gets me, and as you know, if you're a night show listener, if you're a podcast listener, I tend to think, um, you know, the less we have to do over there in the Middle East, the better. Don't think it's been working out all that well for us. But with that said, I always have to wonder about the training, where this is always the, the, the caveat. You know, it's like, okay, well, we're going to be pulling our troops out of Iraq. We're going to be pulling our troops out of Afghanistan. But we're going to leave a residual force behind to train Afghani or Iraqi security, defense force, if, you know, whatever they call them. And so we hear that all the time. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, we should train them. But then, of course, you realize we've been training them for decades now. Well, sorry, not decades, for a decade and a couple years. We've been training them the whole time. And then you have to wonder, well, how, how much training can we give? It's that whole, you know, give a man a fish, he'll, how's that go? He'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish, and he'll never go hungry again. At some point, are we just giving them fish? Are we actually teaching them how to fish because it seems like we have to keep training them over and over again and as I've said before I know it's not technically simple it's not here's a gun bullets go in here and the trigger shoots them I know there's more to it but how much more to it is there can't we train some of them to train themselves do we have to train every force ourselves or can we train some of the higher ups can we start a training academy for Iraqi defense forces give them you know, give them the syllabus, and then they can train all their troops. Why do we have to keep doing it? And this piece wraps up saying, President Obama said this week, quote, the U.S. needs a complete strategy, end quote, to help Iraq regain the lost ground. Okay, that's nice, but might recommend that Iraq has a complete strategy. I might recommend that Syria has a complete strategy for dealing with ISIS. Might recommend Saudi Arabia, Iran, Turkey. Why don't they have a complete strategy? Why are we the ones that need to have this complete strategy? Can we stop just sending fish over there or at least get better at teaching them how to fish on their own? Because if we have to keep reteaching them how to fish, well, we're not doing that good of a job in the first place. But let me leave it here to somebody far wiser than myself. I've got to go to them. You must complete the training. They're my friends. i got to help them. You must not go. <laughs> no more training do you require. Already know you, that which you need. You're probably familiar with the, can I call it an effect, of when you are traveling. And this seemed to be a little bit more prevalent when, at least I was younger, perhaps for you as well, but still, still happens, I guess, as an adult, that when you're traveling somewhere, whether it's far or just kind of around town, when you return, when you're coming home, the trip seems to always be a little bit shorter, a little bit quicker than on the way there. And when it's just a round trip, you're going the same distance, generally the same path, 
but one way feels quicker. So some scientists did a study here, and this is being published in a journal called PLOS One, P-L-O-S, and then O-N-E, like I need to spell that for you. And although they don't have any real conclusions to come to why it feels like the return trip tends to be shorter than the trip going somewhere, but they got a couple hypotheses I want to look at here. The first one here is they mention the way back perhaps feels more familiar, so it goes by faster. So, you know, you go somewhere. And then when you're coming back, you're already passing the stuff you did on the way there. So it's more familiar and thereby maybe seems like it goes by quicker. So, you know, if you're driving somewhere or traveling somewhere where you haven't been before, you're, you're probably paying more attention and, you know, looking for your turn, where you're going, what time it is, are you late, are you early? And, you know, the more engaged and more active you are in thinking about what's happening, the perhaps more um, aware of the time you are, where if you're doing the routine drive, something you've done all the time, or if you're driving to work, you can kind of zone out a bit, right? Because you're, you know, it's almost like muscle memory. You're just, you're on autopilot. So time may go by quicker if you're not paying attention second to second. <clears throat> okay. Another hypothesis here is they say we overestimate perhaps how long the return trip will take. So they mentioned perhaps a lot of us are a little more optimistic when we're going somewhere. So if you're leaving your house, going somewhere, somewhere perhaps new, is you may be more optimistic. Like, oh, you know, yeah, it'll probably take 20 minutes to get there. And then perhaps it takes longer. And on the return trip, you're like, Ugh, well, gosh, it took like 35 minutes just to get here. So it'll probably take 35, could even take 40 to get home. And then maybe it just takes the 35. So we actually kind of undershoot our high expectation. And then finally here, another hypothesis they have is that it's because we worry about getting places on time. Now, if you're going somewhere, there's more of a likelihood that you need to be there at a certain time. As opposed to when you leave that place and come home, you'll just kind of get home when you get home. You probably don't have a schedule like, well, I need to be home by this point. It's more of, I need to be there by this point. And again, when you're focused on time, you're a little more aware of what's happening. And on the ride back, if you're not thinking about time so much, it may just sort of fly by. Anyways, three of those interesting ones right there. I don't know which one of those perhaps uh, jibe a bit more with you, but did always find that fasting as a kid, especially at night. The trip home with mom and dad would seem to go by way faster than the trip there. Let me know what you think. Andy at kwpt.com If I mention a wetsuit, probably think about uh, that thing surfers put on, or perhaps you put on before you jump into the uh, freezing cold Pacific up here. You probably don't think about a suit, as in a suit and tie, that you get wet. Well, think about the two of them together. There's a new innovation, a new item hot on the market called a true wetsuit. Made by a company, Quicksilver, I believe. They are, let's see, Quicksilver, a Japanese retailer of surf and snowboarding gear. Okay, so what it is, it's a suit that you can wear to the office. It's a slim fit suit, very tailored, and it's designed for now, you know, there's been a big demand for this. People who have to go to the office in the morning, want to look nice but then don't have time to change into their wetsuit before they grab the board and then go surfing. So this suit, the tie, the shirt, the jacket, and the pants are all made out of um, neoprene. Same stuff in a wetsuit. So, leave the board meeting, hop into the ocean. You don't need to change, don't need to maybe show your butt cheeks to anybody, uh, you know, over there on Scenic Drive in Trinidad. You just hop right into the ocean you will want to bring a change of clothes to then get out of your wetsuit. 
But so this is interesting. It only is $2,500, so that's a steal, right? Because who didn't want to be surfing in a suit and tie, a literal wetsuit, if you will? And I'm sure they'll sell a couple of these, but I'm not sure if I'd be more embarrassed to be wearing a neoprene suit to the board meeting or if I'd be more embarrassed to actually be catching some waves with a tie. This has been Moments with Andy, the podcast. Brought to you by 100.3 and 102.7 The Point and The Night Show. Like this podcast? Well, don't be ashamed. Be proud. Tell a friend or post a comment in the iTunes store. Every little bit of help, well, helps. Moments with Andy is made possible by a generous grant from the Horace P. and Nancy R. Shakey Foundation.